0: Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the word with Pastor Nick. 2021, a year of eternal life. Interesting. I want us uh, this morning to turn to Proverbs chapter 24 and also to 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you want a subtitle, which it is this morning is The Fight for Life. We're talking about eternal life, and I want to start out this morning by going over a a few things that we have um, touched on before. Number one, a definition of life, the Greek word zoe, and then a couple of excerpts. One is from, of course, Christ the healer, and the other one out of the New translator's New Testament. So first of all, life, the Greek word zoe. And, of course, if you're interested, you have a Strong's Concordance or Vine's Expository Dictionary. It's number 2222. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it's defined as life as a principle, or life in the absolute sense. Absolute. Absolute is a very strong word, and it's a very strong word in the generation that we're living in right now because a lot of people don't want to deal with absolutes. Absolutes puts a cramp on your style. If you want to be outside of an absolute, you know, like you, you, you really got it, it 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 locks us in, and we really need absolutes today because we need to be locked into what God is saying, and we really need to be locked into what things have been said where our nation are concerned. Without absolutes, people can just do whatever. And um, it's wonderful that this is America and everybody can have their own opinion and stuff, but when it comes down to the opinion that matters most, it's God's and the truth. So we need absolutes, and every one of us has to submit ourselves to absolutes. All right, so life in the absolute sense, that means there is no death at all in it, no darkness at all. That's kind of crazy on the mind, and the Bible says that, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He's life, there's no death in him at all. It's like, wow, man. But anyway, that's the truth. That's an absolute, all right? So it's life in the absolute sense, life as God has it, that which the Father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself and which the Son manifested in the world. From this life, man has become alienated through the fall, and of this life, men become partakers of through faith in Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. It's interesting that life is constant all the way through. Everything that we're dealing with is about the life of God. And God made man initially so that he would be a sharer and a partaker of that divine nature. When man fell, became alienated from that life, well, Jesus came to show that life, demonstrate that life, go to the cross, be injected, so to speak, with that life when he was paid sin for us, raised from the dead, and then impart life to anyone who would come to him. So everything about the plan of God is about life. It's about Zoe. Hallelujah. Now, I want to just read a little portion from Christ the Healer again, chapter 11. If you have this book, um, the the title of the chapter is Fullness of God's Life. It's a good chapter to read. The life that lives itself. Many ministers today, major manner of life and behavior rather than zoe, a mistake. We should be concerned about our conduct. But if I'm a minister or a Christian, my first priority should be to major on the life of God because if I understand that and understand who's inside of me and that I share that life with God, that's what will shape my conduct. Too much of the time people try to change their conduct, change their ways, and they, they try to use power that won't get it done. And so a lot of times in the church, people just end up more, into more guilt and condemnation because they're trying to beat their flesh now. Well, if we understand who's on the inside of us and that life is in us and we allow that life to live out of us by agreeing with it first and foremost, looking into what is in that life of God and realize, oh, you know what? God himself is living on the inside of me. So he's powerful enough to overcome anything along with my will. We're powerful enough to beat anything that comes at us. If we first recognize that God lives inside of us. All right, so many ministers today, your manner of life and behavior rather than Zoe, the life of God, which when received in sufficient measure lives itself. Paul prayed for the Christians already filled with the spirit that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. This shows that Zoe is God himself and all we have of it is an unsevered part of the life of God. You might take this as a reference for yourself. In John 15, Jesus told us, he said, I'm the vine," he you said, you're the branches, all right? The life that is in the vine is the same life that is in the branches, the same life that ends up in the fruit, <laughs> and the same life that we end up eating. <laughs> so it's just life in the vine, in the branches, the life that's in the branches, we're the branches, and we're no, the life that's in us is no different than the life that's in the vine. Hallelujah. All right, Zoe received in sufficient measure transforms us from glory to glory into the image of Christ. It turns belief into knowledge. It is the source of all the divine graces. It gives us God's wisdom. It overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil. It works in us that which is well pleasing in his sight. It is by filling us with his own life that God himself becomes our life, our peace, our righteousness, our purity our strength, our health, and the preserver of our whole spirit, soul, and body, our zeal, our joy, our faith, our guide, our teacher, our satisfaction, and our everything that pertains to life and godliness. So this is what we're doing this year. We're making this a study to find out what's on the inside of us and that this life is everything. Out of the translator's New Testament, there's a note on eternal life. In the New Testament, eternal life is that kind of life which is given to all true believers in Christ. The word eternal draws attention to the quality of that life, not to its duration in a temporal sense. This is a big spot here where the church has to have mind renewal. All right? Very, very important for us to get that. The word eternal draws attention to the quality of that life, not to its duration in a temporal sense. Thus, eternal life can be experienced by believers even while subject to the temporal conditions of earthly life. Translators should be careful to avoid expressions which mean no more than a timeless continuation of life after death. So when we see eternal life, everlasting life, Zoe, we need to be thinking, not just living forever, but we need to be thinking, this is God's life inside of me right now. And even though I'm in this earth and I'm in a temporal, mortal state, so to speak, this life, I can enjoy it. It can be lived in me. It can flow out of me even while I am in this natural world. That's so important to us. So important to us. All right, now, last week we talked some about invoking power of that life and how you know, words are important. And I wanted to follow up on that beginning here for a little bit because it's something that I think that many times we can take for granted because it's Jesus that we're talking about. And we don't realize that he did what we were talking about what we need to do. <laughs> when we look at uh, the things that he said, we have to realize that what, what he was doing was setting a pattern out for us and he was living what he and the Father and the Holy Spirit were expecting us to live after he was raised from the dead. So I want to look at some of the things that Jesus said out of his own mouth where this is concerned. I think this will be helpful to us all. All right, so first of all, let's look at John five twenty six. There are a number of scriptures in the Gospel of John. If you haven't taken time to read it, with what we're talking, in the light of what we're talking about now, I'd encourage you to do it because it's going to open up so many things to you. If you do that, you'll see how Jesus did all that he did. And you'll take Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you'll take John here, and you'll realize, man, the stuff that he did while in his earthly ministry, all of it had to do with this life principle that we're talking about. So John chapter 5, verse 26. Now, Jesus is talking here. And he said, for as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. Now, notice, he's in a dialogue, in a conversation, talking to people here, all right? So he's, he's, he's saying, listen, the Father has life in himself, but guess what he's done? Now, just think about it. Just picture me as Jesus for a moment, okay? No heresy here, all right? Just purposes of illustration. And, and I'm in the middle of you all, like he, like he was, talking to these people, And he said, um, the father has life in himself, and he has given me, the son, to have life in myself. Now notice, he's saying that to the people. So he's making a statement based on a fact that God said, all right, the father has life in himself. And guess what, y'all? I got this life in me. I got life in me. I have life in me from the father. Hallelujah. So he said that from his own mouth. All right, take a look at John 11. Verses 25 and 26. Here, he's he's speaking again. One of the things you'll find out about Jesus, he was always talking about his relationship with the Father, and he was always talking about his calling and his mission in life. We should do that more. (laughs) If we did that more, maybe some of us would be more convinced of why we're here. (laughs) That we're not kind of just floating through life. But we're here for a reason, for a purpose. And if we, even if we don't know any specifics about it, we know purposes that God has given us. We could go around telling people he's anointed us. We have his life. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> so he just say, "Hey, this is who I am, y'all. I'm the resurrection. I am the Zoe. I am the life of God. I am the absolute life." You can see why these people looked at him crazy, and some of them thought he was off on the moon somewhere. And see, it's the same way today. If people don't understand what the scriptures say, even in the church. You're going to walk up to some believer and say, you know what? I got the life of God in me. I'm a partaker of of the divine nature of God. What? That's a strange Christian. But it's right there in our own Bibles where Peter told us that we have these exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be made partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. All right? Now, whether or not you're escaping the corruption in the world through lust is not the major issue. The major issue is God said that through the promises we become partakers. So the potential is there to escape. We just need to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But we don't negate what God says because we don't see a lot of it. We never negate what God says because of men and what they're doing or not doing. Never. Ever. Ever. We come up to where God is. We don't try to bring him down on a fleshly, carnal level. All right, so Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> All right, so I am the resurrection and the life, he said. Let's look at John six sixty three. This is what I mean about this year. These scriptures that are in the Bible are just going to jump out at us. If we stay with this and we read and follow through, they're going to jump out all. We're going to say, all these scriptures, been there all this time? And this principle of life has flowed through the Bible like that all the time? I mean, it's really that important? John 6, 63, Jesus said, it's the spirit that quickeneth or that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are what? Spirit, and they are life. So he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit, they are numa, and they are zoe. You can't get any more full of life than that, the spirit of God and the life of God. They just, they're like this, locked together. So that tells us something. He said, the words that I speak, that I breathe out <laughs> every time I open my mouth, they're spirit and they're, they're like, they're quickening. I like King James when he uses that word quickening. You know what it means to be quickened? You touch something hot, you get a charge right quick. Ooh, something happened here. <laughs> you comb your hair too much. You put the, the, the comb down and you pick up electricity, static electricity. You feel it. It's a quickening. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what this life does. That's what happens when we talk about it. That's what happens when you confess it and talk about it yourself, walking around in your own house or wherever and just declare, I've got life in me. Life is at work in me. Life is at work in me. Life is at work in me. So he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. John 12 Mind you now, these are just a few of the scriptures. John 12, verses 49 and 50. He said, for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. See, so words are so important. The Father gave him a commandment, what he should say, And what he should speak. And that's why our words become so important. Our words are directly connected to either life or death. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Now listen listen to this. And I know that his commandment is ever, was life everlasting. His commandment is life everlasting. So it's like what God wants is this this word on his life to penetrate and fill up everything. Because he wants everything full of what he's full of. And folks, as we're here in the earth, and whether the Lord appears while we're here or not, our mission in life, so to speak, is to promote God's life and do everything that we can to fill up the universe, our atmosphere, wherever, fill it up with life. Not death, life. Not disease, life. Not doubt and unbelief, but life. That's that's our mission. So he said, I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. He's putting a stamp on his own obedience there. So he's passing that right on down to us. Wow. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. All right, so now we have to always keep in mind the word is always the key. Always. If we get away from the word, man, we are in trouble. We can't ever get away from the word. And we got to keep it in our mouths and we have to keep this word on life. It's a commandment from God. This word on life in our mouths. Do everything we can to keep this word of life in and out of our mouths. Hallelujah. Now, the Holy Spirit and the word, they're always working together. Always work together. I remember, you know, back, it's been a long time ago, but I ran across Psalm 33, verse 6. And... You know, like I said, I always like to look up words and look up, you know, what the words mean in the Greek and the Hebrew. And it's made a a lot of difference to me over the years in my study as a believer. And so I I looked at the scripture. And it says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And of course, that runs you right back to Genesis chapters one and two where you, we look at how God, you know, refurbished stuff, and we know from right there at the beginning of that first chapter that the, uh, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God was brooding over the face of the waters, and that God said, light be, and then we know what happened right from there on. Okay, so the Spirit of God and the Word of God always work together. That's why if somebody says, well, the Holy Ghost said to do this, well, if it don't match with the Word, we got another spirit. There's always got to be that agreement. Always has to be that agreement. They are never going to disagree. So I read the scripture and it said, okay, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So I went and looked at that word breath, and it's the Hebrew word ruach, which means spirit. So I was like, oh, look at that. So that's what happened in Genesis 1. The, The Holy Spirit. And the word always working together. That's why we've got to stay in vital, 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 vital union and relationship with the word of the living God. And we've got to be willing, and I know that this is, you know, this is kind of basic to some believers, especially in the circles that most of us have been in, but it's so basic that we can take it for granted and forget that we need to be feeding on God's word, and we need to be speaking it out of our mouths. Not just trying to speak it out of our mouths without feeding on it. Yeah, and sometimes we stumble there because we know what we should say, and we just kind of pull stuff out of the mind when, you know, and well, this is what I'm supposed to say. And it's, it's weak as water if we're not feeding on the word. So if we'll keep feeding on that word, it's going to give life and vibrancy to what comes out of our mouths. See, that's the difference. Even though we're in the made in the image and likeness of God, that's the difference between him and us. He is, and I, can, if, I don't want to use that word, uh, he is just complete in himself. But we have to be connected to the divine source, and we've got to draw from the divine source. Because we are not the creator, we are the created. So we always have to have a vital connection, and that vital connection is what we do with what God has given to us. If we don't make a big deal of it, then there's no vitality in what we do. But if we make a, if we stay connected to, we stay with this. We allow this to roll around in our consciences, and we store it up in our hearts like the Scriptures tell us, and we're willing to speak it out of our mouths, if we're willing to watch the eye and the ear gates of our lives and not just, you know, let anything in all the time, and we protect our hearts and our minds by what we we look at and what we hear, if we'll be diligent about that, that's what will help us when it comes to speaking out of our mouths and life-flowing like it's supposed to. And it's a challenge for every one of us. But yet, this is the way the system works. So we need to feed on God, be feeders on God. The Holy Spirit and the word work together. Another thing that will be helpful for us is to remind ourselves of a vital connection that we have to the Lord through praying in other tongues and just speaking in, I mean, just as much as we possibly can. Yeah, there are times you're by yourself, you're alone. Times you may be in the presence of other people. You could do it under your breath. Nobody knows what you're doing. (laughs) But we need to do that as much as we can because that's one of the ways we discipline our tongues (laughs) and help ourselves stay congruent. with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It's important to us. 1 Corinthians 14.4 tells us that when we pray in other tongues, we're doing, we're edifying ourselves. Notice, edifying ourselves. We're not asking God to edify us. Come on, this is important too. He gave us tools to use. And so he gave us this to use that we may do edify ourselves. Isn't that what the scripture says there? That's what it says. We edify ourselves. That's not taking anything away from the Father. What it is is it's honoring him by using what he gave us to use. See, just like in the Garden of Eden, he wasn't going to make Adam eat from the tree of life and he wasn't going to stop him from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was a choice Adam had to make based on the knowledge that God gave him and the word that he gave him. God's not going to make decisions for you and me. There's so much of the church that's got to learn that. And there's so many things that he's given us to do. We cannot ask him to do for us what he told us to do for ourselves. And there's zero heresy in that. <laughs> if he said, pray in the spirit, you'll edify yourself, well, it looks to me like if I want to edify myself through that means that he gave me, then I better use It's so up to me to do that. Glory to God. Jude 20, 21 is another spirit. So now, we can see something, and I was thinking about this when I was you know, rolling over some of these things this week, and I, I can understand why it is that James said what he did over in James chapter 3. So let's look at the scripture here. James 3 is probably the most famous scripture in the New Testament, maybe possibly in the Bible, when it comes to talking about what comes out of our mouths. And James says some things in in the negative sense of it, that what you have to do is you got to think a little bit and just turn it over to the positive side and relate it to Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. So he says here in verses, let's go verses 10 through 12. He said... He's talking about the tongue. He said, out of the mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does the fountain send forth at the same, time, at same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So he's trying to tell us, you know what, well, if we, we keep our words all mixed up, we're just going to cancel stuff out. <laughs> That's all. We're just going to cancel stuff out. We're gonna, if we're going to be trying to be a, a, a fountain of sweet water and bitter at the same time, it's not going to work. It can't do both. And no, she says, my brethren. So my brethren, he's saying, my brothers, we all have life. So as brethren, we're supposed to be speaking the life that God gave to us, not cursing. Bitterness. But then he goes on. We didn't get this, but it's, it's, he goes on and talks about what goes on inside of the heart. If there's bitter, envying, and strife in here, then that's what's going to come out. So in some lives, something has to be done with the bitter jealousy and the strife. Because that was, that's what leads to those crazy words coming out and cursing folks. Whether you do it around other people or by yourself. Because you can cuss people in private too. Man, what does so-and-so think they are? And no good (laughs) so-and-so. See, you can do it in the private as well as in the public. All right. So, now. Though this life is on the inside of us, and this is where we want to get to this, to our title, subtitle for today, the fight for life. Even though this life is on the inside of us, we've got to make a conscious decision to walk in it, right? And these are the things that when we talk about stuff like this as believers, we always have to keep this in mind. There is a legal or a lawful side to our redemption, and there is a vital side to it. And that vital side to it is the side that we have to live and walk out by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God inside of us. See, somebody might think, well, I'm a partaker of divine nature, and it's just automatically I'm going to walk in the divine nature. No. And I think we found that out by now. It's not going to just go boof upon you. we got to make a decision to walk certain things out. And if I don't make a decision and apply myself, Not a whole lot of it's going to happen, especially if I'm going to let go and let God. It's not going to work. All right, there's responsibility in this thing. So, though this life is in us, I have to make a conscious decision to walk in it. Now, I want to first read a scripture. I want us to read from Proverbs twenty four ten. Now. This scripture is really interesting, and I don't know. It just came up to share as a part of what we're doing this morning. Proverbs 24.10. Because there is a fight for life, and we're going to find that out clearly in 1 Timothy 6. But Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity... Your strength is small. I remember decades ago when I read that scripture. And it challenged me. I thought, "Mm -hmm. I don't want to be somebody of puny strength. And I don't want to be letting life roll all over me. So I almost took that as an offense. Because I thought, "Okay, when adversity hits, man, I'm not going to just buckle down and buckle under it and give in. So I thought, there must be a way. To be strong. I this one translation I put down here. Moppet says, if you have been slack, then your means will be small when adversity comes. Ooh. Ooh, I thought, okay. If you have been slack, then your means will be small when adversity comes. The implication being there that as I go along this path called life, I can't just lay back and be lazy and just not apply myself. Because adversity will arise. And when it arises, will I be ready to deal with it? Or just call on the Lord? (laughs) And calling on the Lord is nothing wrong with calling on the Lord, but we got to think about what he said to do as part of our growing and maturing process. I know some people don't like to hear this. Because it's God, you got to do it. If you don't do it, and that's wonderful, we honor him. But, folk, he said, you got to prepare yourself for some things in order to make him vitally real in your life. And we can get away with some things like that when we are children, babies growing up. But there comes a time in Christian life that you got to grow up and mature, and that means you got to walk and handle things like God with himself taking what he made available to us and putting it to use. And I know that's a challenge. Some people never get out of that. They never get past the stage of of thinking God's got to do it all for them. Never get past that. And I'm going to tell you, it takes some mind renewing there, and it takes some understanding of the fact that daddy wants all of his children to become sons and daughters to do as he would do if he was standing right there in their stead. Oh, man. No different than we want to do with our own children. Come on now. We don't want to be tying their shoes all their lives. Come on, 35 years old and you still tying your son's shoes. What kind of ridiculousness is that? Unless there's a problem here. You know, mentally, if there's a problem, that's one thing. But we're talking about sane people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, could you tie my shoe? 35 years old, starting to get gray in the beard. <laughs> Working a job. Can you tie? I can't tie my shoe, Daddy. Could you? What? What's wrong with you? You crazy? Didn't I teach you how to do that when you were three, four years old? Yeah, but I didn't want to do it. I just want my daddy to do it. Daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> you see, i now in the natural. Don't that sound crazy? And it should sound just as crazy with the spirit. Because when we start to grow up, God is looking for mature sons and daughters. Folks, this is why the church has been in trouble. This is why America has been in trouble because we always want somebody else to do it for us. We either want God to do it for us, or we want the government to do it for us. And when we bring it down to men doing stuff for us, men will take advantage of you. And that's why this nation has become weak. But it's right. People are starting to get some strength. And this is something, this is a principle we have to understand and a principle in the church that we have to understand. Jesus said, I'm out of here. You occupy till I come. Right. Occupy don't mean sit back and wait for him. Occupy means get up, get involved, exercise some in dominion and authority. Do something. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Get wisdom from me. Yes, you've got the Holy Spirit. That's power from me. You've got the Word, but you've got to use all of this yourself. Use what I gave you. He said, I'm sitting down expecting my enemies to be made my footstool. Okay, see, this is the the kind of mentality that has to rise up in the church and must rise up in America. Oh, you trying to mess over me in government? What? What? Is you crazy? What? Wait, 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 wait. You know what? I'm going to do this right now. Because this is, this is a good place to remind us. Someone say, Oh, you just got to preach the word. Yeah, okay, I'm a priest of word. You just, I'm, this, this is a part of the land that we live in. And it's the same principle that we're talking about here where the kingdom is concerned is the same principle we need to be thinking about where our nation is concerned. I said, look at this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, and I'm thinking, listen, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. That's the only reason that they're here. Right. And then, now listen to this, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends... It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Exactly. It looks like more power to the people. That's what the Declaration of Independence says. See, these cats, when they put this thing together, they put it together for responsible people. People that would take responsibility and do something, not sit around and complain. And we've had it so, just like in the church, preachers have watered the gospel down, we've had people in government water down what this meant they could protect themselves, keep their own kingdoms, and keep people dependent upon them where they could control them. People don't like that, but, folks, that's the way it is. And until folks rise up, rise up in the church, first of all, and they start taking some dominion over those things, first of all, spiritually, some things that are not going to change. And people learn until people learn what is in these documents and start doing something with them, there's always going to be somebody, some devil, some demonically inspired people trying to bring everybody to a place of subjection. And that's not what government was designed for. It was designed to protect the God-given, unalienable rights of the people. And any time they do other than that, they're supposed to get out of the way. Truth is light. Glory to God. Okay, so now, here we go. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6, verses 11 and 12. I don't want to be slack so that my strength is small when adversity hits. Matter of fact, I want to be strong enough to start declaring and keep declaring some things that keep certain adversities from ever finding its way to me. Prince is like, if I keep a confession of Psalm 91, verse 10 going, and that like, start working that thing, no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. What, 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 what? Right. Somebody said, mm-hmm. well, do and go get back to the word. <laughs> there shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come. Notice, not even come near. Not come near. Did you hear that? Not come near. Not 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 come near. Not wow. I said, that just sounds out of this world. Well, guess what God said? I think I should take that and keep it in my mouth. That's my plan. No evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. Not come near my dwelling. Not come, and you get to meditate and think about that, not even getting near me. You can't, can't, can't get near me. You can't get near me. Not near this dwelling. All that dwelling. Boy, oh boy, you talk about building hedges. See, we think many people think about hedges in the negative sense. But let me tell you what, there's some positive ones we can throw up, some powerful ones we can throw up around us. That's in another part of what James talked about in James chapter 3. Oh, Lord. He said, the tongue sets in course the wheel of nature, or the circumference that surrounds our lives. Wow. Round, circle, circumference. That's right. That's right. I'm in the center, in the radius, going out from me. That's why we got to talk. We're going to talk what God says. Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. So First Timothy 6, 11 and 12. Look what Paul told this man of God. He said, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. And then he said, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. No, he said, flee some things and follow after others. In other words, make a 180. If you're going to flee that, the only way you're going to flee what's there is to turn around and run the other way. So he said, get away from the love of money, which is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they err from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Get away from all that stuff that's involved in that and, 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 and run towards, he tells us exactly what to do. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and you find out from places in the scripture, that all of those are characteristics of the divine nature. Every one of them is a characteristic and a quality of the divine nature. So that means he's telling us, well, we need to find out what that's all about. I I I can't follow something if I don't know what it is. (laughs) So I got to have definition given to me. Then he goes on and says, fight the good fight of faith and then he says, lay hold on eternal life. Well, why would I have to lay hold to it? Because if I don't lay hold on it in a vital sense to where I want it and believe for it to be manifested in my life, if I don't hold on to it, it's going to get away. Somebody said, you must say, we mean I lose my salvation? I said, nothing like that. See, there's a vital side to this. There's the living side to it. And if I don't hold on to it and grasp it and grip it because I want it manifested in and through my life, it'll just flutter on away, and I'll live below the standard of that life. While I'm here on the earth. He said, it's obvious he wants us to live it here on the earth because he says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So he said, you've already done some of this, Timmy. (laughs) But you got to keep on going. Because if you relax, it's going to get away from you. If you don't fight for it and stand for it, it's going to get away from you. He says, it's not automatic, buddy. He says, son, son, you're going to have to fight for what you want. And every believer is going to have to learn how to fight. Some people don't like to fight. I know they don't like it. When I was a kid, I didn't like to fight. Boy, I'd pop you and run. I'd get my licks in, and I'm out of here. But I'm going to tell you, bam, and I could hit you good, too. But see, when I grew up, I learned to fight. I tell you, boy. I'm just telling you like it is, baby. See, when you when when you when you get a hold of things of God and they become precious to you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to fight. You're going to fight for this word. He said, "Lay hold on Zoe. Lay hold on the life of the eternal one." This is this is so important, man. So now, I might ask the question, why does it seem so hard? (laughs) You ever think about these things? I mean, you think about the fact, you know, life is in me, health is in me, peace, prosperity, joy, all these things are in me, but why come it seems like it's so hard to get it manifested? (laughs) Anybody that's honest will admit that. It's a challenge. That's how we know we have to fight because the scripture is always true. God's not a man that he should lie. So that means there has to be some way that I apply myself to these things so they can become real in my life. Okay. The scripture, Matthew 7. I remember we were on uh, Laureen Street. This is a while ago. That was a while ago. <laughs> and it was a message that God gave me and it was entitled The Straight and Narrow Way. And it was from the scripture here in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. It was such an important message that the guy that was duplicating the tapes ended up putting the master in a slot that you make copies and erased it. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I just, I'll never forget it because, I, I mean, that was, that was a powerful word that came out here. But here's the scripture. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. E- Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto Zoe, and few there be that find it. So you're not talking about just there being few that find salvation, but there are few that find their way into walking in that divine life. Why? He defines it. I mean, he just lays it out here. He says straight. That word straight in the Greek is a word that means hemmed in like a narrow gorge between rocks. See, everything about walking in life is contrary to this natural world. The system that Satan has set up is not conducive to just, it's not going to just roll over and let you walk in Zoe. It's not going to, oh, well, 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 Nick wants to walk in Zoe. Let's just lay down in. Oh, let's let him, let him go ahead and do this we see his, 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 his heart is honest and, and he really wants to please God and do this. Let's just relax and let him do it. It's uh-uh. not the way they think. Them demons do not want manifestations of life in the earth. Every manifestation of life is a hurt to a devil. And it shows he's not in control. And when the church rises up in that, And walks in that he's got problems he can deal with you arguing he can deal with strife he can even deal with you having a lot of money if you ain't got this working in you because he can play with your mind and do all kind of things with your natural circumstances and just hoodwink you out of everything but see, when, you, when we start walking in life, guess what? We're walking in God, who is our life. What devil is going to stand up to the Zoe of God, not a nary one? That's why they couldn't do nothing with Jesus. That's why it was hard for him to do something with some of those apostles, and especially Paul, when he got a hold of this and started delivering it to the church. That's why he couldn't do nothing with John. Couldn't even burn him up in oil. And you read John, and you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you see this cat was walking in life. That's right, man. Aye, 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 aye. <laughs> so, narrow is the word stenoffs, and it means groaning or, or refers to groaning. And it's narrow because it runs counter to natural inclinations. So, you put those together, and you've got like walking through, you know, a, a gorge or some kind of mountainous area where there's rocks and it's a tight squeeze. And these rocks are sharp. So, so you don't want to get stuck by them. And if you get stuck by one, you're going to think, okay, maybe I'll get through. And you go to another and it cuts you. And you know think, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to get out of here, man. This is too hard. And see, that's from a natural perspective. That's where it is with this life stuff. This is why many people, if you start with it, a lot of people don't want to keep going with it. You know why? Because it is uncomfortable as you're starting. And you start bumping up against some stuff that hurts, and, and, you're, and especially when your mind starts to lock up on you. Or somebody call you crazy because you want to walk like God, who you think you is. And also persecution starts coming out of the fabric of the seats and all kind of stuff starts going on. You think, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Or you gotta stand in a way that somebody else doesn't, you know, hadn't made a choice to stand that way. And they think, Well, you crazy, why are you gonna stand for that? Why don't you just go? Why don't you just do whatever? It's easy. Just take the easy way out. Take the way of least resistance. That's what the natural man wants to do, is take the route of least resistance. And the majority of mankind. Is like that. If it gets hard and difficult and it starts pinching me and scratching me and poking me, uh, 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 no, hmm. let's not do this. <laughs> Anybody with me here today? Okay, I'm just checking to see who's here. <laughs> Hallelujah. So now Jesus told us, he said, now you can get there because he said they're not going to be made and find it. Then obviously there'll be some that'll find it. And once you hit that path, it's just like a lot of other things, folks. If we just stay with some things, they'll come to a point to where you won't be moved by what goes on in the natural. I think every one of us has experienced that in some way or another in our lives. I mean, maybe you went to school, and you were studying something. When you started out with it, man, it's like, do I really want to continue in this? But guess what? You stayed with it, right? And you stayed with it, and you started to master some things, and then you started to see how certain things fit together, and in your mind, and there was a puzzle, the pieces started coming together, and there came a time when you got over a particular hump, and you thought, Oh. I understand this. Look at her. And so even though there may have been challenges, as you went along, you realized, you know what? I got the tools. Oh, I know what to do. (laughs) I'm going to stay with it, and I'm going to push through. It's the same thing with this. Anything, guys, that's worth something is going to try to drive you off. If it's not the devil, it's a natural, natural man. And that's the thing we really have to deal with more than anything else, because when we talk about this fight, the biggest fight that we have is with ourselves. Because we're in control where our will is concerned. We can make a decision to go on, no matter how challenging it is, or we can make the decision to say, I had enough. Now, what comes into play here? are the pressures and the distractions of life. There it is. There it is, the distractions, the pressures. And these are the things that the, the enemy will do everything he can to see that there's enough of them in your way that you discourage yourself throwing a towel. You're right. So, Mark chapter 4. This is one of the things that is so significant about Jesus and this parable of the sower, what he talks to us about. And he tells us, sower sows a word, and tells us that the objective of the word is to produce 30, 60, 100 times as much in our lives. But in between... Verse 14 and verse 20, he outlines for us the way that natural life and the enemy plays his game to keep us from getting from sowing the word to the abundance of the fruit of that word manifested in our lives. And one of the things, I'm going to read verse 19 from the Amplified. He says, then the cares and anxieties of the world And distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. The distractions, the anxieties, the cares of life, the things that get in the way, the things that pull for our attention, the things that take us away from focus. And when we yield to that, it ends up being no power in certain areas of our lives because the word gets suffocated. Somebody said the word can get suffocated. I'm just reading the Bible. Somehow or another, it will not have a vital connection with the heart, the, the ground, in order to produce its fruit. See, the power always lies with me. It lies with you. It lies with us. What am I going to do? What kind of commitment or sellout do I have? That's it. And until I can look in the mirror and and own up to that and be responsible for that, I'm going to be self-deceived. There are a lot of people walking around self-deceived because they won't look in the mirror and say, okay, it's me. The man can't stop me. The devil can't stop me. No other man or woman can stop me. It ain't, ain't, no, but we always want to put the blame on somebody else. They won't let me. They keeping me back. They they holding me back. Ain't nobody holding you. Yeah, they are holding me back. It's so easy to say it's somebody else's fault. Our young people in America have been trained to think like that. And whatever we can do about it, we need to do about it. Can all excuses and say, now, baby, we need to teach you how to be responsible. You might not like it, and it might hurt, because you sure enough ain't used to it. but we're going to stretch and pull and yank on you until you get the message. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Where's my desire? Here's another scripture. I'm, give, I'm just giving little bits of my testimony. Proverbs chapter 2, this scripture, I mean, talk, I'm talking about decades ago. This thing just went Bam! These are the kind of scriptures that jump out at you when you're looking to grow up. If you don't care nothing about growing up, these things are not going, to, they're not going to mean a hill of beans to you. They won't mean a good cup of coffee to you. They won't mean nothing. But if you're looking to grow up into Christ in all things and you're looking to be who God means for you to be in demonstration and manifestation in the earth. If you're looking to be a full-grown, mature or son, daughter of the living God. Not a child. Everybody's a child of God. But not everybody is a full-grown son or daughter of God. Every believer is a child of God. But God wants to release sonship ability, rights, privileges into the lives of all of his children. Means he wants them to grow up to where they accept responsibility. Hallelujah. And live by the Holy Ghost and the word of God. So, Proverbs 2 begin with verse 1. When we read these first few scriptures verses, it's like, "Oh, yeah, really?" Okay. So, "My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yea, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, now check this out, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasures, then, 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 (laughs) silver, treasures. Somebody said, there are treasures, there's silver, there's gold, there's all kinds of stuff underneath this floor. Tear it up. Tear it up. And won't go home till they get some of it. It's dark, I don't care. It's two in the morning. Now there's something there for me. Won't eat? Will fast? Come on. Don't, don't want no hamburger now. Because if, if that potential's there in the floor for me, I can't, look, I can't leave here and let somebody else come get my portion. Or maybe I'll go give me a cup of water, but I ain't going but 10 feet away. I'm right back here. Now, see, this, this, is, this is the kind of the, 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 the attitude and desire that this man of wisdom by God told us. He said, if you want that, if you want to find the knowledge of God, you want to find these things, then this is the kind of commitment that it's going to take. They we said, well, that's too hard. Well, he said, okay, well, you stay on the sidelines. And then somebody else get the, the silver, the gold, and all that kind of stuff. He said, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for his treasure, verse 5, then... Thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keeps the paths of judgment and preserves the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. Then, 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 then. Now, folks, sometimes when these things are talked about like that, people think, you're trying to make laws. No, it has nothing to do about laws and what you can do and what you can't do. What it means is every one of us personally has to make the kind of decision that we need to make in order to get what we want. That's all it means. That's all it means. So it's not somebody lording over you and telling you, well, you can do this, can't do that. You can watch TV, can't watch TV. You can go to a movie, can't go to a movie. Oh, oh you can ride your bike, you can't ride your bike. It ain't nothing, it has nothing to do with it. Because when it comes down to it, I have to make a decision as to how much I really want out of this. Yeah. And my dedication is going to determine what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. Did you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's, and this, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that strikes me. That, that's why I, 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 I conduct myself like I do with this book. There's some things that I want, some things that I'm after. Some stuff that's laid out on the table for me that I want from God. I want this more manifest in my life. I want more boldness manifested in my life. I want more that comes out of my contact with people. God results manifest. I want more. I got some going on. Yeah, that's wonderful, but there's more. Whatever I have, there's always more. I want more manifested in my body. I'm not settling for where it is now. I mean, in my mind years ago, I'm not settling. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do to find out what I need to do. See, there was something very, very important to me. And I I was thinking about this because I thought about my dad and my mom. And I thought about the things that they said before they died. And I was growing up, and they said, you know, one that was always, it came, I said always, it came out of their mouths a lot. You know what? When I get old, um, then they both said it. When I get old, you know, I'd rather get sick and die than have somebody else take care of me. And I said, you know what? I don't want nobody else to care of me, but I ain't confessing sickness and death and dying. I said, so I am on a pathway here. I'm going to find out what I need to do for life to be manifested in me. I don't want to be a burden to my wife, my children, my grandchildren. I said, I I reject that. And so I'm going to do whatever I need to do to lock into life and lock into what I need to do so that I'm always strong and vibrant. And I said, for more than anything, I want to do that for the Lord. Because I look, man, when I first started looking at this stuff, I looked at Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And he was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I'm here. He shed blood for me. And I started thinking, I don't want to waste none of your blood. I don't want a drop of your blood wasted. So I'm going to do whatever I gotta do to fight and apply myself. And if I stumble back a little bit, I'm going to get back up and get back on that horse and get to riding again. I'm going to go back to this book. I don't care what I got to do. I don't care what time i got to get up, how late i got to sit. I don't care. It don't matter. And whatever distractions come, I'm, there's a my way through them. It's just like with this lifestyle. When I started, I told you back in August the Lord started bringing this up. So now you can do what you like, but I'll tell you some of the things that I do. I mean, I have me some messages that are just talking and preaching on eternal life. And then I started making me some index cards with some of these scriptures that we're reading in these services. And roll them around every day. Now, I mean it's up. you can do however you want to do it. I'm just I'm telling, telling you what I decided to do. Cause this is this 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 is this is the issue here. And anybody like Jesus said, is there for anybody. What will I do? What will you do? My choice. Let's finish with the scripture in 1 Timothy 4. Our meditation and our total dedication both play important roles in our walking in life. Meditation and total dedication both play important roles in our walking in this life. See, I, 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 would, I thought about some of the guys that I read after in their prayer lives and stuff, and I looked, I thought, golly, man. I mean, there are cats that would, there are certain things they just wouldn't do. There's certain things they wouldn't eat. There's certain things they would not read. And you think, do you, do you really have to go that far? No, you don't have to. Nobody has to. It's a choice. It's Somebody. Who wants to get up at 4 or 5 in the morning? Well, who wants to pray at least an hour a day? Oh, that's bondage. Well, (laughs) that that sounds like an excuse to me. This is what Paul told Timothy. Timothy. You know, it's kind of Paul's an interesting guy. I mean, he had faults like anybody else, but I tell you what, he sure did take Timothy under his wing as his son, and he shared some real good stuff with this man. I tell you what, and obviously Timothy was of the mind to hear, receive, and push forward in it. First Timothy four, from verse twelve. Let no man despise your youth. But be an example of the believers. Look at that. Now, see, OK, I'm going to stop here, because this is good for, for young people. And everybody, when you're young, you want to enjoy a lot of different things in life. Right? Hey, I see your hand, And that's good. Everybody, every young person, person should enjoy some stuff. But at the same time, you have to make some decisions. About whether you want to be an example to the believers in these things that have to do with divine life, or if you just want to play games. Nothing wrong playing games. Play some games. Have a good time. But don't let the games and the good time and all that get have you so absorbed that you don't dedicate and sell out. To As a matter of fact, bring God along with you in your games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, because, I mean, he said, I'm, I'm just loving He said, don't let any man despise you. See, and I remember when I first got turned on to the word, and I, were, I, rem- I was standing on a stoop across the street from my house a young lady I grew up with and a guy that I grew up with, and this dude told me out of his own mouth, he said, you don't have to get serious with God right now. Why don't you wait till you get old? So I'm not going to do it. You don't have to do that now. Just wait till you get old. And I saw him years after that. Limping around. (laughs) And wasn't very old. I'm still jumping and dancing and hooping. (laughs) See, so don't waste your youth on frivolity. Learn how to discipline your appetites, what you eat and drink now. Because you can be an example, not way down the line, but an example right now. And there's some old people that won't like it because you'll be pinching them in their conscience. I mean, they got this kind of discipline now. I'm getting ready to put this sweet thing in my mouth, and they won't eat like that? So he said, don't let any man despise your youth. Young people can get it, but some old people won't get it. But he said, don't let any man despise your youth. Be an example of the believers in word, conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Then he says, until I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Then look at this. He says, Meditate upon these things. Give yourself partially to them. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Not partially. Give yourself wholly to them. Why? That your profiting may appear to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. There's power in your own life and influence in the lives of others. He said, meditate on them and give yourself wholly to them. So that means whatever meditate on it means and whatever giving yourself wholly to it means is what you do. So your profiting will appear to all. I just love this stuff. This stuff means the world to me. Because I just want to manifest the master. And ain't this stuff that ain't easy, baby. Let me tell you. But I'm going to tell you what. Helen Baylor had this song entitled Sold Out. And that's what we got to be. Sold out. Father, we bless you today. We love you today. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And thank you for what you set aside for us. And thank you for helping us to understand that you've given us choices. Choices. There are voices talking to us all over the place, and there are choices that we can make. And by your wisdom on the inside of us, and by your life that we find in the scriptures, just help us. Help us with our choices. Shine the light on us on the inside so clearly. That we see the kind of choices that we need to make. To walk in what you said before us. And we thank you for this life. And we declare. Before ourselves and before each other. and It's your life that's manifested. In us. Manifested in our mortal bodies. Death is working out there. But life is working in us. Life is working in us. And we say it. And we say it. We read it. We testify to it. We declare it, we ingest it, and we declare that the life of the eternal one is manifested in us, even in our mortal bodies. Life is in our minds. We have the mind of Christ. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And out of our belly flows rivers of life-giving water. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you, Lord, you're teaching us even right now not to look to the right or to the left at all this foolishness going on around us, not to be consumed by it. But to take what we need and then to demonstrate your love and your life to people around us so that they can have life, be free from fear and torment, and get on your good ship, Lord. We love you. We thank you today for your goodness. If you're watching today you've got some kind of sickness and disease in your body, some kind of infirmity, we speak life to you right now. We speak words of life, our words of spirit and their life. And so we turn to that camera and we speak life to you. We speak the life of Jesus. We declare the life of Jesus manifested in your mortal body. We speak life. We speak life to you. Life to you. Life to you. In Jesus' name, life, 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 life to you, life, life to you, in Jesus' name, life, 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 hallelujah, and we thank you for life in here, oh God, in Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.